Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, July 2nd, 2019. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 37, the second paragraph, and we'll just read that one paragraph and comment on that. Today's readers are, we're going to have Alice G. do the 12 steps, Chris G., 12 traditions, and the readers of the text will be Matthew F., Dana M., and Marie J. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's, 12, excuse me, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Alice G. to read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, all. This is Alice G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Wisconsin. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing, allowing me to serve, and um, thank you all for your service, and have a great day. Thank you, Alice G. And now I'm going to ask Chris G. to read the Twelve Traditions. 
Good morning, everybody. This is Chris G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group, uh, in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from the primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you, Chris G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, then let us know by, passing, by saying pass, and then press star 1 again to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the big book in the chapter more about alcoholism. We're on page 37, the second paragraph, and Matthew F. will get us started. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning. Thank you for your service. My name is Matthew F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Mexico. You may think this an extreme case. To us, it is not far-fetched, for this kind of thinking has been characteristic of every single one of us. We have sometimes reflected more than Jim did upon the consequences. But there was always the curious mental phenomenon that parallel with our sound reasoning where inevitably ran some 
there inevitably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. Our sound reasoning failed to hold us check. The insane idea won out. Next day, we would ask ourselves, in all earnestness and sincerity, how it could have happened. This reading automatically put me back to uh, one day last year, early in the morning. I was uh, I got up early and I grabbed a flashlight and I walked to my neighbor, my neighbor's house, and. Um, I was on my hands and knees in her backyard looking for her leftover uh, marijuana cigarettes so I could smoke and get high and binge eat. I did that for for quite some time. I was uh, heavy in the disease at that time for sure. Um, even though I have a, a good paying job, I would also steal food from the grocery store because that meant if I didn't pay for the food, nobody knew about it. Somehow that made sense to me. But on Christmas Day, I decided that uh, I really needed to find a sponsor. The last time I ever made myself throw up from overeating. So I also uh, decided I needed to work the steps. I had foundered in the program for about two and a half years I would read a little bit or maybe go to a meeting or maybe make a phone call, but that was always in between binges. And through the process of getting a sponsor and working the steps, I started to uh, realize that uh, because it was a spiritual program and because of the teachings of the book, uh, my prayers were, were empty. I would ask God for help to relieve me of the disease, and to help me stop compulsive overeating. But what I forgot to pray for was uh, the willingness to take action. My prayer was really empty. I would pray, please God, you know, take this disease away from me. But what I forgot to pray for was the ability to, to help others. My prayer was incomplete. My prayer then became Please, God, take the disease away from me so I can serve others. Now I'm happy to say I'm, I'm living in recovery one day at a time. I was extremely sick at, at that time. Now I uh, um, live my life to serve others and, and celebrate my recovery. So I strongly believe if you're out there and you're still in the illness, um, you absolutely can do it. Keep coming back. Thank you, and I will pass. Penny, star one to unmute, please. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. And I need to give the codes, the share codes for yesterday, which I neglected to do at the beginning. The... Share code for the meeting yesterday, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, is 13,098, 13098. And the share code for the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday was 12, I mean, of 13,099. That's 13099. I'm sorry, I didn't do that right from the beginning.
All right, I'm ready to take names of people who would like to share on that paragraph. Nancy Kim P. Gina S. Nancy P. Kim J. I just Nancy P. Tina S. Who was after Nancy? Tina M. G. Leah T. Chris G. Okay, I have Nancy. Hold on just a minute. Nancy, Dina. Kim G. Kim G. Chris G. Barbara E. Chris G. Barbara E. Who's after Barbara? Amy G. Amy? Yes. Amy G. All right, let's go with those folks. So these are this is who I have. Nancy P, Dina, and please give me the initial of your last name when you share. Kim G, Chris G, Barbara E, and Amy G. Thank you, and please get us started, Nancy P. Hi, this is Nancy P. I'm just going to start my timer. Okay. Um, yeah, so this paragraph to me is so important. Um, always the curious mental phenomenon that parallel with our sound reasoning. So parallel means runs next to, but alongside, but never touches. So, you know, I can be cruising along, not abusing food. And my mental twist is in the corner saying, I'm just over here by myself, not bothering anybody. If you want to come and visit me, I'm right over here, not touching anyone, not doing anything, just all by myself. And that patter would be in my head consistently. And until I had a spiritual awakening, it was just always there. You know, I was, if I was not eating, I was thinking about how to prep my food or how to get enough food in the house for me to eat that was okay to eat. And, you know, even if I wasn't eating sugar, you know, I was just always somehow in the food, somehow, either mentally or physically in the food. Um, and then on the other side of the parallel bars there, you know, my sane reasoning, my sound reasoning, would be trying to live my life and it was exhausting i couldn't i couldn't do it and of course eventually and not and, and eventually is like could be in a minute um it could be in a week it could be in a month but it was just always um my insane idea went out that it was somehow going to be okay to eat to get into the food i mean i know somebody that um in AA who said that he heard a story that his, some friends of his, um, this guy said that his parents went away for the weekend and while, he w- while they were gone, he and his brother needed money to drink so they sold the dining room furniture. And, you know, I laughed at that because it seemed ridiculous and insane to me. But that is exactly the kind of insane thinking that would lead me to the food. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready to go to work and I'm going to stop not at one, but at two places on the way to work. And then I'm going to get to work. And in my parking garage, when I get to the elevator, I throw all the you know food and wrappers away and brush my hands up and say these words exactly out loud. It's like it never happened. And I believed it. And um, then I would, you know, somehow so one day I would wake up and I would be truly amazed and in all earnestness and sincerity, I wondered how it could have happened again. And I would say, well, today is going to be a new day. And it wasn't until I was brought to my knees by my life because nothing else was going to work. Nothing else was going to work except for dire circumstances in my family. And that was going to make me stop and say, I don't know. And, you know, my surrender was violent. I've said it on the line before. 
you know, forced to my knees, blindfolded, handcuffed with a gun to my head. Do you surrender now, Nancy? And when I finally surrendered, then suddenly it was like, you know, a magic password where they, you know, the, the safe opens up, oh, there I am. Um, so, um, you know, there I am. And, you know, finally I got the message. And um, having gotten it, I work very hard to keep it in the front of my mind. So um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Nancy P. And Dina, it's your turn. Hi, Penny. Thanks for your service. I think you meant Tina S. Tina S. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it so much. Uh, Wow. What a great paragraph, and uh, thanks so much for the shares. I, you know, again, and I have to say this constantly, you know, I'm on board. I'm on the same page, you know, and and I love that it says to us, it, it is not far-fetched. For sure it was not, you know, because I prided myself on my intellect, so certainly there was somehow, some way, some day that I could come up with an idea that I could successfully eat. You know, and I had tried that over and over and over again to no avail. You know, and I also love that it talks about, you know, our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check. You know, it also tells me in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that reason is good as far as it goes, but it doesn't go far enough. It doesn't go far enough. On my own, I'm screwed. You know, and this certainly is, you know, I need something different. I need to depend on something different than me to get a result that is different. And until I truly, truly came to believe, you know, just was willing to do something different, to believe that something different in my life could give me some direction, was I able to to continue on, you know. And I love that it talks about came to believe. And I could start right where I was and to take suggestions from other people that got a good result and with whom the problem has been solved. You know, that they had some knowledge that I did not, that they had a way of living that I did not, and that I could just be willing to take direction, you know, because it also tells me that, you know, alcoholics, we were undisciplined, and I certainly was, and I didn't think you knew anything more than I did. And so when I, be, when I got right down, when I got right-sized, then I was able to move on with the steps. And through the process of transformation, you know, didn't even know it. But, you know, I was willing to do something different, so I got something different. And today I do. And I'm so grateful to be a part of. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Tina S. And now we have Kim G. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I am been recovered since January 2011. I'm going to drill down that same beautiful sentence. The curious mental phenomenon that parallels with our sound reasoning, there are inevitably pain signs, family trivial reasons for taking that first drink. You know, I often think of my, my lovely little dog, Shanti. She's a Jack Russell mix, happier for the dog. And you're sitting in the backyard, happy, joyous, and free. And a squirrel comes in that backyard, and she's a freaking lunatic. I mean, she throws her 20-pound body against the trees and the fences, Reminds me of that dog in the movie Up, Doug. Squirrel, squirrel. Everything else just disappears. You know, to me, this is what happens when we work a tool-only program. We're going to learn about Fred in a couple of pages where his, his game plan is willpower and keep on guard. You know, it reminds me of a meeting that I attended where they gave out coins, and this girl got a 30-day coin, and her sponsor came up and said what a good little sponsee she was, and she calls her phone every day, and she does her writing, and she attends her meeting, and she makes her phone calls at school. And this woman came up, very meek woman, and said, I'm almost embarrassed to take this. I've been in OA for 
for 10 years, I have so many 30-day coins, and I've never gotten a 60-day coin. Why is that? Because that sound reasoning will be taken away. You know, I think of a friend of mine in L.A. We both went to the same Catholic high school, and she talks about the idea, one of her allergies is flour, that she, her sisters went to a convent, and she brought some bread, and they brought it home, and she turned the bread over, and two of the ingredients were love and kindness. How could bread be a problem if it's made by nuns with love and kindness? One more tip for the asylum for my friend. I often hear, you know, we can't eat on the truth. Well, the doctor's opinion tells me I can't differentiate the truth from the truth. Because the truth is I can afford to go to Cinnabon and have 900 calories at my current weight. That's the truth. But that's the insanity of the doctor's opinion that tells you that that's okay. You know, and it says here, how did this happen? With all earnest sincerity. We, I know we lie a lot. I, I lie a lot. But I have to tell you, I wasn't lying when I got up saying, this time I'm going to be different. This time I am not going to do this. You know, the fact of the matter is, if I am not connected to a power, a thought will become an obsession, and obsession will become that trivial reason for taking that first bite. And that's the reason six and seven for me, those character defects, become my step one for life. Because if I'm not connected with a power, I'm going to get resentful, fearful, angry. In other words, for that, restless, irritable, and discontent. And same reason I will pick up. So I'm going to end with this. I'm convinced of two things right now, 100% each. Number one, that I am experiencing permanent recovery. I never have to eat again as long as I stay connected to these steps. And I'm also equally convinced if I stop doing this work, I'm probably three or four days away from a relapse. Because if the thoughts return, it will turn into an obsession, and I will eat again. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And Chris G. Good morning, everybody. Chris G., Recover Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. Um, I just want to talk about that insane (laughs) mental twist that visits me on a regular basis, not necessarily to to rationalize or justify taking my first bite but you know to rationalize and justify a decision um uh an action and in an interaction with somebody and if i don't work on my you know broadening my spiritual life um in those areas and sometimes frankly i'm blind to them So I might not even be dishonest about it. I might just not see it. And that's because I'm always going to be a human being. And this program has slowly begun to soften me to that, to be more accepting of others and of myself and to sit in my truth that God is always present. My higher power is always present in my life, you know, sprinkling, sprinkling water on me to cleanse me, but to, t- to teach me, to teach me about these principles on a daily basis. And so if I'm not picking up the food, there's a very strong t- possibility that I might be picking up something that can block me from the sunlight of the spirit. And there's a possibility that I might not see it. And there's a possibility that I might rationalize and justify it. And that could, that buildup could lead to me picking up that food. So um, compassion and understanding and love and forgiveness, but, you know, that rigorous honesty about my choices throughout the day um, are so vitally important. And I need to stay connected with you, my fellows, 
who speak who speak God's truth to me um, and to receive guidance and direction from um, on these things. So um, I'm never going to work this program perfectly, but I am I am connecting with earnestness on a daily basis uh, so that I can so that I can learn so that I can grow so that I can maintain my humility, which has saved my life. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you, Chris G. And now, Barbara E. Good morning. Thank you, and good morning to you. Great shares. For me, Jim is not an extreme case. Certainly, at one time, I felt like that, too. I kept going back to my insane, delusional thinking over and over again. Isolated from the world, keeping me locked in a bulletproof glass box that kept me sadly gazing out at the world I was isolating from myself, eating a healthy breakfast, and then a half hour later as I drove to work, stopping for a second breakfast, going to Dunkin' Donuts on the way home from work, waking up in the morning saying, why the fork did I do that again? Full of remorse and the firm resolve to do better, and then repeating the same destructive eating all over again. I was totally convinced I would die from this disease, but unable to stop eating while driving in the car, hiding food at home, stealing food from the market, the humiliation of asking for extenders on airplanes, hating myself for my gluttony. I was totally powerless to keep from speeding toward destruction. I couldn't stop from binging. And when I wanted to stop, I couldn't, looking for any insane excuse to go back to the food that was toxic for a person like me. Sometimes I needed no excuse at all, just thinking, I'll always fail, so I'll just quit now. Sometimes thinking, I'll start again tomorrow. Well, that's a new candy. I need to try that. Or life's too short to deal with the issue. Never stopping to think that my way of destructively using food was guaranteeing my life would be shorter. Well, after two decades, and finally accepting my powerlessness and believing that there was a solution for me that involved my taking 12 steps and continuing to do them every day, I could be saved from the hell I was living in. But I had to stop presenting a false face to the world. I had to finally be honest and be my authentic self. And if I followed these directions, I would no longer find the need to get the temporary ease and comfort I once got from food. Today, I trust my higher power to lead me to a sane, happier, more trustful way of thinking about myself and you and the world to believe that the world is not out to get me, to lead me to the next right answer. And it doesn't involve getting to a bakery or stopping in a fast food drive-in for a bag of greasy, salty food to eat in the car. I am done with that insanity. Thank you, God, one day at a time. There's no magic pill, just hard, rewarding work. 
But first I had to stop thumbing my nose at God and say, you got me, God. You had me all along. I just didn't know it. And then do the next right thing. One of our, oh, I think that's a sound. One of our sayings is utilize, don't analyze. And that's what I do today. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. And uh, after, we're going to hear from Amy G. Then we'll be ready to take more names. So, Amy G., it's your turn. Thank you, Penny. Thank you so much, everyone, for an awesome meeting, Team Tuesday. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Boy, what strikes me today is next day we would ask ourselves in all earnestness and sincerity, how could it have happened? Oh, those awful, torturous days of waking up in the morning with what they talk about in a vision for you, the four hideous horsemen of terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. How many mornings did I say to myself, how could it have happened again? Like Jim, I had been introduced to the program. I understood. I thought my knowledge and my willpower would be enough to make me understand so that I could stop putting my binge foods in my mouth. And I didn't understand why the insane reason always came through. And what I didn't understand was that curious mental phenomenon. That wretched mental twist, the mental obsession that they talk about in step one of the 12 and 12 that says we have warped our minds with such an obsession for destructive eating and drinking that only an act of providence can relieve us of that insanity. I was willing to admit my powerlessness, but what I didn't understand was the true nature of my powerlessness, which was my thinking, what was going on up in between my ears. You know, they say OA is like the mafia. Once you get in, you never get out because you know too much, and it ruins all your binges. I thought my, I thought my thinking would be able to solve the problem. What I didn't know is that my thinking was the liability. My thinking was what was driving me back to the food again and again and again. I needed a power greater than myself. I needed something outside of myself to restore me to sanity. Talk about the insane idea of winning out. I mean, I'm a bulimic, an extreme bulimic. How did I rationalize sticking my finger down my throat, sticking lays, not, what do you call it, knives, ladles, and spoons down my throat? How does one rationalize that? I have to be crazy in my thinking for that to be a reasonable solution. You know, I don't know how many times it talks about it in the big book, and I think it's only once, but in the beginning chapters of how it works, they ask us, they, they not only ask us, the authors, they say, we beg of you, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of these ideas, uh, some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, but the result was nil until we let go absolutely. My idea of my willpower and my knowledge fixing this had to go because I had to understand the true nature of my powerlessness, which is the greater aspect of the disease, the mental twist. And mental phenomenon. And with that, I will pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Amy G. And just to, before I take names, I want to remind everyone that what we read this morning is on page 37, the second paragraph, which begins with, you may think this is an extreme case. So I'm ready to take names of people who would like to share on that paragraph. Yes, Jennifer, 
No. This is Raquel. Melissa C. Marcella M. L-E-A-S. All right, hold on just a minute, please. Here's who I've heard, and then you can tell me who I didn't hear that already said your name. I have Janice P.M., Raquel E., uh, Melissa C., Marcella M., and who did I miss? L-E-A-S. Hold on a minute. I didn't, I did, the Say those names again. Nessa R. Alia S. Could you spell your name for me, please? Russ Ann B. Who was before Nessa R, please? Do you have Alia S? No, but I would like to know how to spell your name. Oh, okay. It's A-L-I-E-E. Okay, and the initial of your last name? S, like Cooper. Okay, all right, this is who I have. I have Janice P.M., Raquel E., Melissa C., Marcella M., um, Ali, I'm sorry, you'll tell me how to pronounce it again, S, and Nessa R., and let's see if we can get all those folks in. So, Janice P.M., your turn. Well, thank you so much. Penny C., if you could time me, please. And yes. everyone, good morning to you. Thank you. My name is Janice P.M. from Massachusetts, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yeah, excuses, excuses, excuses. I wish it was reasoning. But you see, I can't. I'm not. I'm not able to reason <laughs> the consequences after I pick up that first bite. I had all kinds of excuses, like, and here they are. First of all, you know, um, it's a mental obsession, you know, and it's not simply always emotional, you know. Certainly, some of the thoughts I have are emotional, but they're just plain stupid. You know, I would say, well, I'm just going to taste this that I'm cooking. You know, my husband never tasted his food, but I did, and I would eat whatever in there before. I would, you know, then that, that's stupid. You know, it's stupid. And what more stupid is if I'm standing up, tasting it, it doesn't, it doesn't even count. <laughs> that's not eating. Well, what is it? You know, so, you know, um, I have to eat because I want to fit in. What an excuse that is. There's no reasoning there. The reasoning goes right out the window because I'm unable to to see about the consequences. And, you know, again, I have to taste it in order to see if it's okay. (laughs) Stupid. That's what they are, stupid. Not just insane. And um, so sometimes it, it happens. It happened to me when I wasn't even feeling at all. It was just stupid. It was that crazy, insane idea. You see, I was always finding excuses. I didn't know it because I was self-deceiving myself, finding excuses to go back to the foods, you know, that uh, we know deep in our hearts. We can't eat. I couldn't eat without developing that craving, but I did it anyway. Hello, you know. 
that's a, a, a mental, insane, not thinking um, idea. Did it always win out? Always win. Always. Always. It says always. Um, always. Um, and it says it here a couple of times. Reasoning. And then, of course, underneath it says trivial, trivial excuse. And that's what they were. Because I was justifying the insane idea that it was okay. You know? So it's uh, self-deceiving to myself. And, uh, you know, today, with the help of the high, my higher power, whom I choose to call God, and I'm not ashamed to say, um, sorry if it offends somebody, but it certainly, that's what I found through these 12 steps, that power to help me with my mind, with my thinking for one day. And thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Janice. Just on time. And now Raquel E. from Israel. Good morning. Hello, hello. I can hear you, Raquel. Uh, hello, our sweet Penny C and all my dear friends. I couldn't uh, get online for uh, uh, for a whole week where I was in a place that the uh, reception was so poor. But I'm so glad to hear all the sweet voices again. And thank you so much, everybody who is there, whatever stage of recovery you are at. God bless, and thank you very much for your service, Penny. So um, I, I want to talk about one angle of this insanity, the, the tremendous beating that it did on my, uh, the, what we call here the demoralization, demoralization that it did on my, on, on my self-esteem, on my very identity, and this being Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde all the time, in every 24-hour uh, period, I could be this kind of a person and that kind of a person. I could be the kind of person who was, you know, fairly successful in my work and, and people really uh, giving me credit for, uh, and especially working with children was so satisfying. And then who is this? Mr. Hyde waking up in the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning, another coffee and another coffee with all these little packets of sweet and low poison all around them. And, and then my son waking up in the morning, you know, and, and grabbing me by the shoulder, shaking and saying, Ma, I don't care. I'll get something to eat for lunch. You ate my bagel I planned to take for lunch. But... It'd be at school from 8 o'clock to 6 o'clock in the evening. But why are you doing this to yourself? And I had no answer. I stood there like a, an empty sack of potatoes. You know, like, why am I doing this? And who am I? Who the heck am I? Am I this or am I that? So how long can a person, you know, float around like a free-floating anxiety in the world, not, not knowing who they really are? It tears apart. It tore apart my personality, my 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 very sense of of who am I, and being blessed. Now I still cannot say recovered, but God was gracious to take away from me the main culprit. Like you know, it's it's like more than ten and a half years. December twelfth, uh, two thousand and eight is when I got my abstinence, my blessed abstinence from NA. 
because them guys weren't beating around the bush. They talked life or death, and I needed to hear that. I didn't need anymore to be caressed and said, oh, you're wonderful. Tomorrow is another day. You'll start again. Oh, you're, ah, okay, you'll be abstinent tomorrow. Enough of that. Oh, Harlan says, you know, we're hugging each other and loving each other to death in these programs. So I couldn't talk. I, Penny, dear, I hope you're timing me because yes. I was I, away and I, I had the privilege of taking uh, myself and a very dear friend from program whose weight escalated That's so that she could hardly walk. That is yes. time. time. So, yes. yeah, but but I, I by taking her, I benefited so much, and I'll tell you all about it if you don't run away fast enough next time I talk. Thank you so much, all my sweet family there, and have a blessed day, and I pass. Thank you very much, Raquel E. And Melissa C., Hi, good morning. Thank you so much, Penny, for your service. It's Melissa C. Recovered, <clears throat> compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, um, I think about, like, this running parallel kind of thing. And, um, you know, I have this really clear memory of um, being out to dinner with a dear friend, and um, and her marriage was falling apart. She was, like, at the end of her marriage, and, and I love this friend. She's very close to me. And we went out to dinner together, um, <clears throat> and I had been, um, you know, on, on a healthy eating. That's how I was going to do it. I was going to be eating whole and healthy. And they had um, a basket of, like, a whole grain bread on the table, so that maybe that was going to be okay. I wasn't sure. I was, like you know, half deliberating in my brain. And so I'm at this dinner, you know, with my girlfriend, um, and she's crying. And and I'm listening, and I'm trying to be loving and supportive, um, but, like, running parallel to this loving, supportive friend was um, the, the curious phenomenon, this mental twist that was focused solely on the breadbasket. Like, I think I heard every third word my friend was saying because um, the whole time I was having this debate in my brain, mm, is that bread, does that fall under the, um, you know, is that whole and healthy? It, it says whole grain on it. It looks like it's kind of a seedy bread. And, and you know, um, that is something that I had no ability to hold in check. Like, um, I've sometimes reflected more than Jim. Like I, I was told, well, if you can finish the thought, Melissa, like when you think, wouldn't it be nice if I have a piece of blank, you know, a piece of bread, a piece of cake, finish the thought. Like what else is going to happen? You know, followed by a binge, painful binge, none of your clothes fitting, bad indigestion, you know, self-hatred, um, the problem is is that I can't rely on that because running alongside that is this voice that, like, keeps pace. I feel like it's like I'm running and it's running with me. And it whispers in my ear the whole time, eat the bread, 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 eat the bread. And, and without having a program of recovery, without having been recovered, that insane idea always wins out. And, 
you know, the sad thing is living that way, even if I didn't eat the bread, which I did, you know, the end of the story, I did eat the bread, and then I couldn't wait for dessert to come because I was sure she was so distraught she would eat dessert too. Um, the problem is, is living that way, you can't really be of loving service. So it's not an agreement with God. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And now we have Marcella M. Good morning, Marcella. Good morning, Penny C. Good to hear your voice. Marcella M. Recovered, composer overeater. Um, so that this is exactly how I felt on February 22nd of 2011, after what I very much hope will be is my last binge. Um, I woke up in the morning saying exactly how did this happen again? It was as I I was abstinent from um sugar and, and flour that day or so I or so I thought or so I thought and 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 the cookies that I was eating were, were kosher were organic were whole grain no sugar no flour it was just innocent oatmeal and you know molasses and and everything seemed so good and yet I had the most horrific binge ever that brought me to my knees and um so yeah, how how in the world did I end it up with that line of thinking? Um, amount doesn't count. Frequency of eating doesn't count. If I'm just if I just avoid sugar and flour, then I'm good. And and amount don't it doesn't matter. I can eat enormous amount of food, and I can eat like every 45 seconds. It doesn't matter. Eat like a bird all day long. It doesn't matter. How in the world did I convince myself that that was okay? Um, yeah, because I knew I sort of have an idea of what was the allergy of the body, but I just was beginning to understand the meaning of the obsession of the mind. Now I know that I have eloquent, mystical, beautiful, poetic, academic, intellectual arguments in English, in Spanish, in Hebrew that will convince me every single time that in my particular case, in this particular situation, a little bit won't hurt me. I just know that. I just know that. Lately, I've spent a lot of time um, traveling to Spanish-speaking countries. And, you know, guys, we're so blessed that we get, we have access to the big book in English because, frankly, the big book is written in English. It has to be studied in English. We spend so much time in Spanish-speaking countries figuring out the right translation I'm wondering if sanity means what it means, sanidad in Espanol. It's just so different, and we can get so lost. Wherever I go to different countries, they ask me, like, what are the most important words of the big book? Just give me, like, a really clear-cut black and white mental map that I, that cannot be lost in translation. <laughs> like, like, what are the words that cannot be misconstrued or interpreted or, like, you know, like added that some poetic translation license so that I don't get lost in translation. I really, really think of these things, and I came up with three words. We, higher power. That's it. If you think we, we cannot do it alone. We always have to be with somebody else in a community, with a sponsor, with a sponsee, right? And we don't do it. It's the higher power who performs. I think that those words are very safe in any language, and that's that to me, the 12 steps are an exercise in humility, an exercise in simplicity, and an exercise in just clarity. I can't do it alone. It is a higher power. I will always, always come with new and 
reviewed and renewed and re-edited eloquent arguments. That Marcella, that's time. Oh, thank you. That will commit me tomorrow that, that it's okay to it a little bit. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. And now, please forgive me. Is it Ali S? Yes, hello. This is Ali A.S. Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi, I'm Ali A.S. I'm a compulsive overeater and alcoholic. And, um, yeah, I'm having, like, the, when I read this text, it's always good for me to be reminded um it's just really good for me to be reminded of my disease, and I do have a, a rough time. I'm anemic. I don't have enough. I don't have so much blood, so I'm tired, and I and I rest a lot. And you know, I used to rest a lot at home and binge, and so. But now I'm like almost. I'm like 85 days or 84 days, something like that, abstinent. And it's the first time in my life because after I made my final surrender, after I reached that that bottom, you know, that I needed to reach, um, you know, I uh, I could finally realize that there, every next binge will be just more horrible. It will, won't help me. And, and I realized that um, when now, lately, when I have fe- feelings or when I start feeling like a binge, you know, and for me, this feeling like a binge, it's like a pain. It's more... And it is my soul in pain, and 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 me as an addict, I of course think what can solve this pain right now and easy, and what do I know? And it is the food, of course. And but I realized that today, and I can say, oh, okay, so what's going on? Oh, yeah, you know, job-wise, future-wise, surgery's coming up. Like, okay, so what do I do now? You know, and all I can do really is trust in God. I can do my footwork, I can get information on courses, but I need to leave it up to God, you know. I can't control everything. And, you know, when I felt this feeling of pain and binging, I knew I had to go to this meeting. And also, you know, for me as an addict, I tend to isolate. I tend to isolate. And um, so, yeah, and I knew I needed to share and when we read that topic in the book of that pure insanity, like I know 100% because it has happened to me so many times that when I lose connection with the OA program and with this meeting and just with the program in general, but especially OA because I used to binge and binge and binge and I would go to more AA meetings because I thought, oh, it's, you know, I just need to do more AA and everything will be fine and 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 then maybe I can control it that way. Ha, 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 nada. I need to stay connected to the OA program because otherwise I will forget. And then suddenly in an unprotected moment, I will, you know, like the guy in the book of, of the paragraph we read, you know, just think, oh, you know, I could have a whiskey with milk or I don't know what it was on uh, page 37. I don't know which, which one of the stories it was, if it was... Um, yeah, it was the guy with the car salesman. You know, I it happened to me so many times where suddenly I was binging and then I was like saying, oh, it's depression because it got to the point where I... Oh, yeah, that's time, please. Okay, anyways, thank you so much, guys. Thank you very much, R-E-A-S. Vanessa R. Good Hi, morning. thank you. 
Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, great. So this is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And um, sound reasoning. I was the queen of sound reasoning. I graduated at A22 from an Ivy League school with an MBA with a master's in business administration. So I was the queen of reasoning and I was the queen of willpower as well. But you know what? It was my, my sound reasoning that got me to almost 200 pounds. And I'm a very short person. I'm only 5'1". Um, it was my sound reasoning that got me to try everything I could possibly think to try to control the weight and control the food so that I could eat everything that I wanted and still be thin. Ha ha. Um, when nothing worked, it was my sound reasoning that led me to um, restricting and purging. And when restricting didn't work anymore, um, it was my sound reasoning that led me to binging and purging. And then purging didn't work anymore. And so I was just left with the binging after all that sound reasoning. Um, it was not my sound reasoning that brought me into these rooms. And it was not my sound reasoning that brought me into recovery. It was the sheer kindness and mercy of God that brought me into these rooms. And after nine years of struggling inside the rooms, it was the kindness and mercy of God that put me into contact, uh, brought me face to face um, in someone with, in whom the problem had been solved, who took me to the steps. Um, and it was this, you know, <laughs> kindness and mercy that um, transformed me through the working of the steps and entire abstinence into a recovered person who no longer has to rely on her quote-unquote sound reasoning. All that I have to rely on is uh, my trust and reliance upon God. And if I continue doing the work that I need to do, uh, meaning staying entirely abstinent and continuing to work the steps uh, to the best of my ability, according to the big book, so I can stay in sound spiritual con uh, condition, you know, that I, I can stay recovered. Um, you know, the funny thing is, as it's just in Bill's story, you know, while I was exercising my son's reasoning and all the schemes that I came up with to, um, to eat all I wanted and stay thin, I always sensed I wasn't being too smart, you know, but I always convinced myself that um, my reasoning was sound, you know, because don't you know, like, look at everything that I have accomplished. Um, and everything that I accomplished, which was, which was enough, you know, um, especially given my, my short years, um, had absolutely nothing to do um, and didn't help me at all in combating this disease. But letting go of the sound reasoning and, and, and relying upon my, my, my trust in my higher power and doing the work I need that I, doing the work that I need to do, that's what got me to, to recover to a place where um, I have a life beyond anything I could have ever imagined, uh, even and especially without the food, because I'm no longer a slave to the food, and I don't care about the things that I thought I could never um, live without when I was um, when I was relying on my sound reasoning. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. Uh, and I can offer somebody one minute share. Does anybody there who can give us a one minute share? Vasa O. Go ahead, Vasa. Just a little short of one minute, if you can do that. 
just please tie me. Thank you, Penny, for your service. I'm Vasa Gravery Gravery Compulsive Vida from calling from Foxville, Massachusetts. I'm so grateful that my higher power sent me a messenger years ago in 1986 to my house, and she told me about the 12, the program, the 12 steps, the big book, and that was the beginning of my new life. And uh, I had suffered with the food addiction for 25 years, and uh, she gave me hope, and uh, I was ready and willing to hear the message. The insanity, insanity for me was doing the same thing over and over with the food, expect different results, and that was not working any longer for me. So I was just so ready and willing to listen and to surrender to a power greater than myself, uh, then try to control it by myself, by my own willpower. And my last date of binging was uh, October 25th, 1986. It's by the grace of God. I learned about the allergy. The, somebody okay. got a big book, and that's my story. Thank you. Keep coming. If you're new, just keep coming and listen. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, and thank you everyone who shared, and thank you especially to the people who did service this morning, uh, Alice G., Chris G., Matthew F., Dana M., and Marie J., who was waiting in the wings in case we needed her. The newcomer greeter this morning will be Kathy G., and the host for the second hour is Sima M. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today's meeting, July 2nd, 7 a.m., is 13,101-13101. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, and I'm going to ask Dana, uh, yes, Dana M. to please read that for us. Hi, this is Dana M. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. I'm Dana M., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.